0: From the Ground Up, a podcast of the Alabama Extension Home Grounds team, educating
1: you about home landscapes, gardens, and home pests. Thank you for joining us today. Today, we have Danny Carroll with us. Danny is a regional extension agent in East Central Alabama. question I have for you, Danny, is you know, if I'm a new gardener, what do I need to do to start a garden? I've never gardened before in my life. So how would I start to do that?
0: Well, first of all, that's really awesome that you're going to start gardening. And I'm assuming you're talking about growing your own food today.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right.
0: And and I think that's great. More and more people are doing that. And there's a lot of things to consider, especially if this is your very first time or you're fixing to break ground for the very first time. You know, and I can give you some examples in my, my own yard because I just moved. And so now that I've moved, I'm, I'm having to make some of the big decisions, which are how do I want to garden? Do I want like a typical in-ground garden? Do I want to go with containers? You know, and there's a lot of backyard hydroponic systems. There's, there's just a lot of, lot of variability in the way to yeah. do it.
1: What would be the least complicated way to do this?
0: I think the least complicated way is either going to be in ground or in containers. And just like everything else, there are pros and cons, you know, to everything we do.
1: If you wanted to, let's say I have a small plot of land behind my house and, you know, let's say it's a thousand square feet. I mean, that's probably a pretty good size garden. What kind of equipments would I need to use to till up the land or do I need a tiller or can I do a no-till or tell me some of things that I might need to start?
0: Well, we're going to we're gonna back up a minute and really look at this 1,000 square feet. Well,
1: I'm feet. really excited about building a garden,
0: Danny. I know you're really <laughs> excited. So we're, we're going to step back for a minute and take some things into consideration. Number one, is this 1,000 square feet in full sun? Oh, yeah. You know, because a lot of yeah. times we have a place to garden, but it might not be the best place to yeah. plant the garden. So are we in full sun? And the second thing I would look at, do you have a water source? nearby. Because I I know we're in Alabama and we do get ample amounts of rainfall. But, you know, if we're growing tomatoes, a tomato is tomato flavored water. So (laughs) having a water source and being able to provide consistent amounts of water throughout the year, that's really, really going to help. Number one, the health of the plants. Mm -hmm. Of course, we we go through droughty times too, drought periods. So that water is very important. Those are two things I would look at first before i even started to break ground
1: you know let's say you have uh, apple source of water i guess you can use city water or you know if you want to catch water off your house or something like that those are totally viable things to do right
0: oh yeah those are awesome things to do you know if we're going to go with a drip irrigation kit or something like that you know city water's fine yeah. other water sources are fine it, sometimes it's hard when we're catching water in rain barrels Mm-hmm. To use that with a, with a drip irrigation system, you know, are we going to water by hand? Different things to take to take into consideration there.
1: Obviously, you know, we've had a pretty wet last, actually probably the last couple of years, has been fairly wet in Alabama, I would say, wouldn't you? It's it's, um,
0: it's fairly wet, and it yeah. looks like there's more to come this week.
1: That usually, you know, that's the ideal scenario. If it would rain a couple of times a week, that would probably be great, right?
0: If it would rain an inch of water, I mean, our average is what, about 50, 52 inches Per year. So yeah. that averages out to an inch of water per week. But of course, we're not going to get it
1: yeah. an inch of water per week. We never get it at the right time. We don't. <laughs>
0: and it's, it's so funny because we can get a lot of rain, a lot of rain in just a couple of weeks. And then we think our vegetable gardens are good. But you know, we're only, when it comes to gardening, especially fruits and vegetables, we're only a week away from needing water again.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: especially if we're on the right soils but but let's go back and talk about that thousand square feet you yeah have ready so, to
1: go yeah absolutely so we have you know my backyard i have a thousand square feet so what do i do first
0: okay so we know we've got water we know we've got ample sun next thing i'm we're going to look at is what is what kind of vegetation is there now because honestly when it comes to gardening the the chore that I would say the majority, and I'm speaking for everyone right here. Totally but, fine. But <laughs> weeding the garden is a chore, and not only is it a chore, but it's something that really has to be done because weeds in the garden. Number one, they can carry pest insect um, diseases. Number two, they're really going to take away the nutrients and the water from what we're wanting to grow. Mm-hmm. So we really want to look and see, you know, what's there in that thousand square feet. Cause let's be honest, if it's in Bermuda grass. That's going to be really hard to control.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Once we remove the grass and get our soil prep, that's going to start creeping back in. Yeah. So it's, you know, what vegetation is planted there? How easy is it going to be to just devoid that area of all that vegetation? And that's what I would concentrate on first.
1: What do we do then? We have a weedy, you know, it's, it's fairly flat, have water, I have sun, but it's really weedy. What do you do?
0: Ooh, really, weedy's is a big one, and we have a couple of choices that we can do. So number one, preparation is everything when we're getting ready to to get that plot ready. So when we're out there looking at the vegetation, you ha- we can think of this a couple of ways. We're prepping this ground and getting rid of the vegetation for something we are going to plant in the future. And it's how long, What what is our, do we have months before we're going to plant? Do we have weeks before we're going to plant? Honestly, if it's a thousand square feet, if it's 10 square feet, preparation is everything, and trying to get rid of all the weeds last minute mm-hmm. is not going to be the way to go. We can start now to, to plant later, we could have started in the fall to plant now. But some things I would do and there's a lot of different methods to do this. You know, number 1 there's there's herbicides. Not everyone is going to want to use a herbicide. Yeah. But there are herbicides that we can use and we can safely plant a couple of weeks later. Having said that, herbicides actually take a couple of weeks to work as well. So that would be done, you know, a month or two. Mhm ahead of time there's other ways too so we can do something like a a lasagna method where we're starting to compost and put down even you know newspapers and or boxes cardboard boxes layered with compost and kind of let nature do its thing but again that's going to take several several months Mm -hmm. to get that plot ready so if
1: you do the lasagna method you you start in the fall right
0: i would start months and months ahead of time okay to be able to, to devoid that of vegetation. And then there's the old fashioned way. That's a shovel. And that's kind of getting, nobody,
1: nobody wants to do that. (laughs) Getting out and
0: shovel skimming. Yeah. And shovel skimming that vegetation off. And just because we, we get rid of the vegetation that way or by herbicides or any other way, the vegetation is going to come back. Yeah. So it's something always in the back of the head. Hey, this is going to be a chore.
1: Yeah. A lot of these weeds, they, they're, uh, they're born from the roots or they have some tubers or something like that under the ground. And, They're hard to kill. I mean, even in your yard or anything. They're hard to do
0: that. And then we have, uh, well, us. We we have us. Maybe we're out there mowing the grass and blowing weed seeds everywhere and other birds. There's tons of ways that that the weeds are going to get in there. But, you know, once you really get that vegetation gone, you can start looking at the soil itself. And again, we're going to go back to soil health and organic matters in that soil. So, your soil is probably going to be totally different from mine. Yeah. You're on a, a very clay soil, and I am on a very sandy soil, mm-hmm. extremely sandy. Yeah. But the good thing about that is adding organic matter to the soil is going to be a win-win for both of us.
1: Yeah. I have get a lot of calls about people who— you know, they, they are heavy clay soils because I'm in, you know, I'm based in northeast Alabama. So I get a lot of calls about these. You know, they have a lot of rocks in their soil, heavy clays. So organic matter is good for that also.
0: It's going to be awesome for that because it's going to actually improve mm-hmm. water infiltration. So water it's going to improve the drainage of that soil. And, you know, vegetable roots are very tender. Mm-hmm. They do not like to have wet feet. That's a very popular garden term, but they don't, they're not going to thrive well. And there's a lot of diseases that they can get when they are sitting in mucky soils. Yeah. So that organic matter is going to help you. And Not only is it going to add to the health, it's going to increase the air mm-hmm. that's that's able to move through the soil. It's going to increase the the water filtration going through And on my sandy soils, it's kind of gonna do the same thing, but opposite. It is going to, again, help with the health of the soil, bringing in those awesome microbes that do great work underground for us. But for me on the sandy soil, it's gonna help me keep a little water in there.
1: All right, so now we have established where our plot's gonna be. It's all good. We have water, sun. Now we need to prepare the soil. So uh, we've taken care of the weeds. So what's our next step here? Well,
0: Brian, most of our soils are lacking in organic matter again we just kind of talked about the the pros and cons of adding them to the to a clay soil or a sandy soil and i would go ahead and and be adding those types of things you know organic matter comes in a a lot of different faces and and there we could also have grown some cover crops and use those to turn over as far as organic matter goes but i would make sure that i add that organic matter and kind of get that mixed in to those top six or so Inches of the soil as, mm-hmm. as deep as we can get it, and then with the, those in-ground gardens, I would 100% get a soil sample just to make sure that my pH was correct.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because if the pH isn't right, it's very hard to correct it after the vegetables go in.
1: Yeah, and so if you if you have any questions about taking a soil test, uh, we have a website on aces.edu that will tell you and some video on how to take a proper soil sample. You can also go to your local extension office and pick up a soil testing box and then mail it uh, to the Auburn Soil Testing Lab.
0: But I would definitely do that before, you know, a couple of months beforehand too. Okay. Just so we can get that pH up to speed if we need to do that because that has a lot to do with nutrient take up of the plant and having it in that right right pH for the plants that you are going to grow. But this is a, a great time too to talk about you you've got this 1000 square feet and it's perfect you know as far as sun and water goes but maybe you don't want to maybe you just don't want to mess with the soil yeah you know maybe so what's maybe the- that's a that maybe that's a lot mhm maybe it's just too clayy and you don't have the time to to put in the the organic matter that it needs or the the time to get it together and for a lot of folks that is a perfect place for raised beds yeah. And so the raised beds would actually go on top of the soil. Of course, they're raised. I, I like them, I think, 12 inches is a is a decent yeah. depth for those. Yeah, But just like an in-ground garden, I would like to kind of get rid of the weeds underneath because some of these weeds are very, very smart. Yeah. And they can actually creep up and come in. So I do like to get rid of those. And, you know, if you're putting a raised bed on top, I, I'm not a big user of landscape fabric. Not in the landscape anyway, because it does have a, a few problems that that I see. But putting it under a raised bed, yeah. you're still going to have the water drainage. That's an option, too.
1: Okay. So raised beds, you know, using wood to frame it up and then fill it in. What do you What do you fill in a raised bed with?
0: And the beauty of raised beds are they can be made out of so many different types of material from wood, cinder blocks. I'm sure we have all seen, uh, you know, the images with the tin. Mm -hmm. Some of them are made out of tin. So that's the uh, little baby swimming pools.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: So I've seen many, many, many different types and a lot of... uh, Folks are getting very creative with what they're making raised beds out of. Now, again, one of the the pros, like I said, there's kind of a pro and a con to everything. And one of the pros with the raised bed is we are creating the soil in it. So we know it drains well. We we know it's going to be a healthy soil. The the big con to that is that could actually mean a little extra money went into the creation of that raised bed. Yeah. I mean, some, some great soils. And we have recipes online, too, with using just some of the native soil. Not a lot, because obviously you don't want to fill a bed with just the soil from yeah. your yard. It kind of defeats the purpose of doing it. So we're going to mix that again with a lot of organic matter. I like to use, um, and they make raised bed soils ready to buy at stores and stuff. But if you want to make your own, again, we have recipes. But using some of the the native soil from the ground, I like to use some finely crushed pine bark Mm -hmm. along with with some compost mixed up together. Now, when we do this, we, we could run a pH test on it. Just to see if our pH is right, we're not going to run a soil test on this because it's mostly organic matter and other materials, but not soil.
1: Once you have your raised bed or in-ground vegetables or you've got your ground prepared, what do we do next? Do we start from seed or do we buy transplants or does that just really depend on when you plant? Well, that
0: also totally depends on what you're planting. Like there are a lot, and since we're going into the warm season, we'll talk about warm season vegetables. There are a lot of warm season vegetables that are going to do much better or are just fine putting the seed into the ground. And those are going to be like our cucurbits. Our cucurbits, meaning our our squashes, watermelons, cucumbers, muskmelons, cantaloupes, all of those guys. So Direct seeded, they're fine. If we go into like bush beans and pole beans, again, direct seeded corn, the same. And we could go on. I I start a lot of my own transplants indoors, and there's honestly only three or four that I would start inside. And those are going to be tomatoes, eggplant, and peppers.
1: So those are really the main ones that you uh, grow from a transplant. Your tomatoes, eggplant, and peppers. Right, right.
0: And those are the ones just trying to get a, a little jump on the season by putting a plant out that's six or seven weeks old rather than the seed.
1: Yeah, so do you get you get your fruit faster, right?
0: You can get the fruit faster. It's kind of funny, though, because if you have grown vegetables before, you're probably, if you've ever, you know, left a tomato hanging from the vine that fell off, you, you'll notice that those will reseed themselves and you'll see seeds coming up. So, yeah, you could direct seed, but, yeah, you can get things, especially those, a little bit earlier. Okay. By growing from transplants.
1: So plants need food just like we do. Fertilizer. What type of fertilizer, fertilizer would you recommend? Uh, is there anyone that's better than the other? Should I use something like a, a slow-release fertilizer? Or, you know, what's what's best?
0: So in those in-ground gardens where we, we took a soil test, and that soil test is going to come back and give you a fertilizer recommendation actually based on the nutrients that were found in your soil. With the raised bed gardens, we, we didn't really actually do a soil test. We did more of a pH test. I can give you the the basic for most vegetables we're going to need about a pound of nitrogen per thousand square feet. You know depending on the fertilizer that you use, you, you could kind of base it off that pound of nitrogen per thousand square feet.
1: Yeah. How I, do you apply that? You just kind of in it my out raised there.
0: beds, I do use a slow release. I use a slow release to start off with. Our season in Alabama is really, really long. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, what are we, at the end of March, 1st of April now?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And so the warm season is going to go on till October, November in South Alabama. So that's a long time. And so they get hungry more than once.
1: Well, you know, I think there's a lot of people who recently moved to Alabama, especially in North Alabama. We have a lot of newcomers from up north, and they can't believe that our season is so long uh, it's just amazing to them that they can grow vegetables starting in, you know, really, we well, almost can grow year-round. Well, we
0: do grow year-round.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, it's it's fun to grow year-round. It gets to be a little bit of a problem in the fall because when those temperatures start to drop in the fall, my warm season vegetables start going crazy because yeah. they, they love those as the temperature starts to drop a little bit and give them some relief. But then it's time to plant the fall
1: yeah, and you hate to and you hate I hate to, to take something else. Exactly, right. <laughs> we do have a really long growing season, and we do have to fertilize. We're gonna throughout. have to
0: fertilize more than once. So I like to start off in raised beds with maybe a slow release, and then I wish there was a rule of thumb, like every four weeks, yeah, or every five weeks. But sometimes we get so much rain that the nutrients go away, you know, quicker. Mm-hmm. So we're having to to add them more frequently, with containers. And when we talk about those in a minute, those are even kind of a completely different story. Yeah. But in the ground, too, I will come back, you know, at least twice during the growing season with things like um, tomatoes, peppers, et cetera, with some additional or a side dress of fertilizer during the season. The only thing I think I would not do that with is, is our beans or our other things in the legume family, which they make their own nitrogen so we can over fertilize those really easily.
1: What about problems like I know here in Alabama, we have a lot of problems with funguses. Uh, we have a lot of fungi because we have high humidity and high heat, which a lot of fungi really love. What do we do about that? Insect damage. Uh, we also have a lot of insects here in Alabama. So
0: well, we do. What and do that's because use? we are very blessed to live in Alabama where we have this nice, warm, long climate with ample rainfall. And it's, it's good for us, it's good for growing, it's good for the insects, it's good for the diseases. Yeah. So we're, we're all taking advantage of it. Yeah, there's a lot of insects and, and, and diseases to contend with. So first of all, starting off with those healthy soils, that's number one, because we do have a lot of soil diseases. Number two, there's a lot of things we can do culturally in our gardens to help with some of these uh, pest pressures. And we can do that by looking at the varieties that we grow. So some varieties will have defenses, tolerances to some of the diseases, while maybe some of the other varieties of the same plant may not. It's kind of research what we're going to grow and what works best for Alabama. Because, you know, we can buy a lot of different kinds of seeds off the Internet now, but some of those might be tailored for more of the, the cooler climates mm-hmm. and maybe not so much tolerant of the diseases that we're going to have here in, in Alabama. Um, spacing. You know, a lot of these diseases, especially when I talk about the foliar diseases, they love it when there's no airflow because the humidity rises and they're jumping from plant to plant. So even plant spacing, mulching, mulching is huge. I like to tell folks, never leave that garden naked. Never leave that soil exposed. Let's get some kind of mulch on there. The number one that's going to help with our holding in our moisture. And that's going to keep backsplash and a lot of water from coming back on the leaves. You know, rain is a good thing and we need the rain. But you'll see in years when we have a lot of rainfall in the summer, our disease pressures are also increased. So if we can water at the base of the plants, you know, drip irrigation, even if we're hand watering, Mm -hmm. trying to keep it off the foliage. Those are just a few things that we can do. Now, insects, that's a different story. And I think when, when people start gardening the fun thing about it is being able to recognize insect pests versus beneficial insects and kind of seeing the, the onset of what might be a fungal disease and learning what to do.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people, they assume all insects are bad, but there's a lot of great insects that pollinate or help. Uh, I mean, there's beneficial insects that eat other insects, too. So that,
0: That's right. And that's part of the fun of gardening is not just learning about the plants and being able to to eat what you grow, but learning about the dynamics that go yeah. on in that garden as well.
1: Yeah, and so I, proper identification of proper those identification are, is crucial, especially
0: yeah. if you're going to um, apply some kind of if you're going to put a pesticide on there, whether it's organic or inorganic. It it doesn't matter. Identification of what you're trying to control is number one, because you obviously do not want to use an insecticide that doesn't work on the insect that you're trying to control, if that makes sense.
1: So you really have to know what insect you're trying to treat and properly identify it because you might end up killing something you don't want to.
0: That's right. Or just using unnecessary pesticides. Yeah, because it costs money. And that's money.
1: Yeah, that's right. So and, you know, I, I'll just add, you know, I think gardening is, um, I think people need to experiment. You know, that's, that's. I think that's part of it. Like you said, it's the learning process. So, you know, just go out and try it. You know, you learn something every year and take good notes too. Good, uh,
0: hey, good notes is crucial. It was probably about 10 years ago that I actually started taking notes. I started yeah. doing what I tell, recommend other people to do. And so I feel good having this little notebook because I can look back in it and I can tell you like which week, six years ago, squash vine boars came into central Alabama. And so I'm aware now, I'm aware enough that I can look through my notebook and go, oh,
1: this is... You can be ready and prepared. Sometime (laughs) in the
0: next week, this is going to happen. Or even this variety was good, you know, worked for me. Yeah. And it was something I liked because let's face it too, we all like different things. If you're growing a lot of different things, you know, I like to have next to there. I did not like this one. I didn't like <laughs> the taste of it. That way yeah. I know not to waste my time growing it again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So where can somebody get some help? I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I've watched too many YouTube videos and them's got a different opinion. So where can I get help?
0: Well, your local extension office is a great place to start. And I know you said you just watched too many YouTube videos, but we have a wealth of videos on our Grow More, Give More page. I mean, everything from varieties to raised beds, heirlooms, how to trellis. How to trellis certain vegetables. How to prune certain vegetables. So there is a a lot of information on there. And then of course we have our Master Gardener Helpline.
1: So what is about the uh, Master Gardener Helpline? So tell me a little about that.
0: So that is a, a very that's a great service, and we have wonderful Alabama Master Gardener volunteers. Who, who actually volunteer their time to, to answer these gardening questions. They are a wealth of information. They have been gardening for years. They're they're like us. They like to experiment, but they also know where to get the information.
1: So if you have any questions about that, again, you can contact your local extension office. Uh, one of us home grounds can answer, or you can call the Master Gardener helpline. It's one eight seven seven, 877 ala grow That's A-L-A-G-L-A r o w we'd be glad to answer your questions and uh danny thank you for joining us today i hope everybody has learned some great info on how to start your garden and again if you need any help just give us a call
0: thank you brian have a great day